Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Scott Schaefer in for Mina Kim. As part of our election coverage, KQED's politics team is in the driver's seat for parts of this week, including this hour, where we dive into some of the most interesting measures on the state ballot, like Propositions 26 and 27, both of which would legalize sports betting in California in very different ways. And odds are you can't avoid TV ads for and against these two. We'll explore the differences. Plus, Prop 30. It raises taxes on people making more than $2 million a year to help meet California's climate goals and fight wildfires. It's creating some very interesting and unusual political alliances. All that coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm KQD Politics Editor Scott Schaefer, in today for Mina Kim. And for much of this week, KQD's politics team is hosting parts of Forum, delving into the major races and issues around the November election. Today, some of the most contentious and perhaps confusing measures on the statewide ballot. And we're going to begin with Propositions 26 and 27. You can't avoid them if you try, as the Both sides combined have raised more than $400 million for a nonstop TV and radio ad campaign. Both would make it legal in California to bet on sporting events, but in very different ways, with most California tribes lining up behind Prop 26 and online betting companies like FanDuel fueling Prop 27. And that's where we're going to begin. KQED's politics reporter and producer Guy Marzarati is here. Hey. Good morning. Well... Lot to unpack here. Uh, so give us the big picture first, Guy. Uh, I sort of quickly there summarize what these are about, but give us a little more detail. Yeah. So these, as you say, two efforts to legalize sports betting in California. The first, the one that's backed by a large number of California's Native American Indian tribes would legalize in-person sports betting. So you'd have to go to a tribal casino to bet. The second, Prop 27, is backed by large gambling companies that operate across the country. And you've seen the expansion of sports betting happen across the country since the Supreme Court paved the way for that in 2018. Prop 27 would legalize online sports betting. So you'd be able to make a bet from your phone or your computer. So California is often the leader on big issues. And yet I think some 30 states allow this kind of betting. Why has California been so slow to adopt this? I think it's because the kind of competing powers at play here, and it's why you saw such a logjam on this issue in the legislature. This is, for the past two years, they've been trying to come up with some compromise in the state legislature, but you've seen kind of the political power of tribes really wanting to have a say in how this, uh, you know, betting rolls out in the state. That has been met with various opposing forces, namely card rooms, uh, which you know operate in cities across the state and which would be potentially impacted by Prop 26. 
I laid out how Prop 26 affects sports betting, but actually goes beyond that. There's two other big pieces. One would be to legalize craps and roulette at tribal casinos. The second would be to allow, you know, a private citizen to take a, a legal action around sports, uh, around betting laws, which could ultimately impact card rooms. There's a long history of, of uh, contention between card rooms and, and tribal governments. And so you have all these various players at, at, in play. That's kind of led to gridlock in the legislature, hence why we see it on the ballot this year. Yeah. And so that's a lot to unpack. And just focusing on Prop 26, I know you can't get into the heads of the people that wrote Prop 26, but is everyone's focused on the sports betting part of it. But these other things you mentioned, is that perhaps as important to the tribes as the legalized sports betting in casinos? Yeah, I would say extremely important. The sports betting offers, you know, a really massive market. We've seen it expand in other states. That being said, like when you think about the house in sports betting, it doesn't do as well as it would in if you're playing craps or if you're playing roulette. You know, it's kind of easier to pick who's going to win a sports game than it might be to in a dice game, so to speak. So this is something tribes have been pushing for for a very long time to have these expansion of games. It, they, you know, haven't been able to do it in the course of tribal compacts, which is basically tribal governments have these agreements with the state on how gambling operates how the revenue is is shared. Um, so they're seeking to do it on the ballot in Prop 26. And then the, the second thing you asked about this, the provision of, of private lawsuits, that it has been a, a priority just because we've seen this disagreements between card rooms and tribes play out for so many years about the kind of games that card rooms are offering, which tribal governments have said violate kind of their sovereignty or, or their exclusivity on these games. I have never been in a card room. I see them on the freeway driving past it, you know, 55 miles an hour. Um, tell what what is their interest in all of this and what do what do card rooms mean to the local governments where these things exist? Yeah, so the card rooms and and for folks listening, it's like Artichoke Joe's in the Bay Area, Bay 101 or a Casino Matrix in San Jose. And these they're limited, much more limited in what they can offer than a than a tribal casino. So it's basically games in which the house is not playing against the players. So what where this has led to contention is in a game like blackjack, how card rooms are going about letting different people play as the dealers. There's a lot of disagreements about whether they're violating laws there. How that trickles down to local governments and then to residents is there's a lot of cities that really rely on card room tax revenue. San Jose is one of them. San Jose gets, you know, 15 something million in every year from uh, card room revenue. In other places, it's even higher. The Hawaiian Gardens, south of LA, 85% of their revenue comes in from their local card room. So to play this out, let's say Prop 26 were to pass. Bankruptcy. Let's, let's say there would be private lawsuits against, um, you know, against the card room activity. You could potentially see, you know, yeah, revenue loss. And then that trickles down to city employees, which is why you've seen some local unions, city employee unions in some of these cities come out against Proposition 26 as well. Well, you know, you, you say something I wasn't planning to ask you about, but you mentioned unions. Uh, are, are the tribal casinos, what's the status of their workers? Are any of them unionized? I believe they are. And this was this actually goes back to kind of the history of how sports betting came about in California. You know, this was a, a disagreement that went on for years in the 90s. Ultimately, they went to tribes went to voters in 1998 to get betting, uh, gambling legalized in casinos. It was ultimately thrown out by the courts, and they had to go work with Governor Gray Davis to then hash out some kind of agreement. One of the things Gray Davis pushed for at that point was, okay, if we're going to make this happen, 
we want to have this, you know, with with unionized workers. Talking with Guy Marzarati, reporter and producer for KQD's California Politics and Government Desk, uh, starting off this hour with props 26 and 27. An inordinate amount of money has gone into these campaigns for and against for these two measures. Let's hear a little bit of the uh, No on 27 ad. California voters, beware. Prop 27 is being promoted by out-of-state gambling corporations. It would authorize a massive expansion of online sports gambling in California, turning every cell phone, laptop, tablet, and even video game console into a gambling device, opening up online gambling to anyone, anywhere. And so, Guy, that is just one of many ads uh, playing sort of nonstop. Uh, That first sort of allegation there, and that's by the tribes, that, that ad, they're trying to defeat Prop 27, this notion that all the money's going to go out of state. Is that valid? I mean, most of the, the revenues will go to corporations who are running these these apps, and they mostly operate outside of the state of California. Um, I think where what's gotten confusing is Prop 27 really dictates how the tax revenue that, the, that this gaming would pay towards the state, how that would be allocated. And they've said that 85% of that would go towards homeless services. So that's kind of been their push to get maybe people who don't really care about sports betting interested in Prop 27. Um, but so far, what we've seen from polling is that it hasn't worked. And basically, the Prop 27 campaign is waving the white flag. How so? What makes you say we, that? Well, we've heard from at, at gaming conferences, the CEOs of DraftKings and FanDuel, they've already started to talk about the future, laying the groundwork for 2024. The, the head of FanDuel said, we absolutely live to fight another day. And I think the money has been talking long before that. We haven't seen much in the way of donations to Prop 27 since the beginning of October. We haven't seen big donations since around Labor Day. So all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many bad oh, puns here. Uh, all right, let's 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 hear one of the yes on 27 ads that a lot of money has been spent on, but apparently are having no impact on voters. The difference between Prop 26 and Prop 27? 26 is a money grab that doesn't guarantee a cent for non-gaming tribes. 27 requires 15% of all state revenues go to non-gaming tribes. The choice is clear. So, uh, Guy, there is some money in Prop 27 uh, that would go to some of these non-gaming tribes. There's also some money that would go to homeless programs, Mm -hmm. which I think the promoters of Prop 27 thought would really be a hook for voters. Unpack those two things, would you? Yeah. So the the on the homeless service side, there there is not right now like a dedicated funding source for combating homelessness, and it's something that we've heard local mayors push for, especially here in the Bay Area in recent budgets. The governor has you know put forward historic amounts of money in the last few budget cycles towards addressing homelessness, but it's all comes out through the year by year budget process. So the argument around this funding in Prop Twenty Seven is it locks in money for you know, homeless services, for uh, permanent supportive housing, that let's say the budget goes up, the budget go do- goes down, it doesn't matter. This source of funding would be locked in. And it's why you've seen mayors like Daryl Steinberg in Sacramento, Libby Schaff in Oakland get behind Prop 27. All right. Well, let's open up the phone lines because I think uh, voters may have some things to say about these ballot measures as well as Prop 30, which we'll be talking about in just a few minutes. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, it's 866-733-6786. Or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're at KQED Forum. Or if you like, you can email us. We'll get that as well. Forum at KQED.org. Guy, is there, other than, you know, FanDuel and, you know, the companies that are promoting Prop 27 and the tribes, I mean, is there any, you know, uh, 
upwelling of desire for sports betting in California? I mean, if you want to bet on a game now, you can, can't you? Or, or is it, no, how hard is uh, it? Is it really hard? Well, not legally. I mean, there, oh, there are a lot of things a, you can't do legally that people do every day. There's a huge, uh, you know, black market for sports betting, whether you're doing it through an app or through a bookie. But um, I mean, I, I, it's it's in multi, multi hundreds of millions of dollars. And I think that's some of the arguments you've heard from supporters of ideas to, to legalize it is like, OK, this market exists. Let's bring it into the sunlight, if you want to say that find a way to tax it, find a way to generate revenue for the state or generate revenue for Native American Indian tribes. Um, but certainly, like, people are betting on sports in California right now. <laughs> so if you try to access one of these apps that exist that you can... Yeah, those, that will not work. So, like, if for yeah, so take the example of, like, DraftKings or FanDuel. Like, those are legal in, in many states. If you go to those states, you can download the app. You can, you know bet on an over-under or bet on a game, whatever you want to do, but you can't use those apps in California currently. Yeah. Um, why are you smiling? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a workaround, probably. Okay, uh, let's uh, give out the number again. We're going to take a break in just a moment, but again, it's 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Here's a comment from Tim who writes, amazing how all you hear is Prop 26 and 27 as if those are the only two options how about no expansion in sports gambling it seems like uh, at least according to the polls that's where uh, voters are and uh, it's going to be a pretty steep climb if not impossible for these two ballot measures to pass nonetheless it does raise a lot of issues and we do want to talk about those as well in just a moment about prop 30 totally different measure having to do with climate change goals and fighting wildfires and raising taxes on the wealthy. Give us a call at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. Again, it's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer here this hour for Mina Kim. We are going to talk about Prop 30 as well as 26 and 27, so stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. And welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer, KQD Politics Editor. We're here talking this hour about three of the ballot measures that may have gotten your attention on the November ballot, Props 26, 27. And now let's talk about Prop 30. And joining us is Kevin Stark. He's a reporter uh, and editor with KQD Science. Welcome, Kevin. Good to have you with us. Good morning, Scott. Also here is Monvi Singh, West Coast reporter with The Guardian. Thanks to you as well. 
So, Kevin, let me begin with you. Uh, Prop 30, I kind of gave the the quick summary of it, uh, raising taxes on the wealthiest Californians, or uh, at least some of the wealthiest, um, uh, those making $2 million a year and more, adding a 1.75% income tax uh, to their tax bill. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about this. How did it get on the ballot? What would it accomplish if it were to pass? Sure, absolutely. So Prop 30, you know, it's turned out to be one of the spicier propositions on the ballot this year, I think uh, mostly because it has split. Governor Gavin Newsom from his fellow Democrats. And, you know, Newsom has been uh, has used the ride hailing company Lyft as kind of his political foil on this issue. Lyft is largely funding the campaign in support. Uh, so, I, you know, you mentioned it's a, it would raise income taxes on, on the wealthiest, you know, people making over $2 million a year. Revenue from that program would go towards rebates to help pay for electric vehicles, you know, charging infrastructure for all these cars and trucks, and then also to train and hire firefighters and, you know, other measures to mitigate severe wildfires. It was really generated by, you know, environmental justice groups, transit groups uh, around Los Angeles. They, they're seeking, you know, to, to try and solve one of the, I guess, most persistent problems that the state has, which is, which is fighting uh, air pollution and also climate change. Transportation today still remains the state's top source of greenhouse gas emissions. It's about 40% of our emissions. And all the cars and trucks that Californians drive have for decades dirtied the air with smog. You know, it's a persistent problem in California life. And uh, state officials say that we need about eight times as many electric cars on the road today uh, to, uh, to, to, to mitigate this as, as what we have now, which is, which is 8 million up from 1 million. And, and Monvi saying, how would the, this money, this, I think it's three and a half to $5 billion a year estimated, uh, how would it be allocated in terms of like, to somebody who wants to buy an electric vehicle, for example? So the money would be fed through, um, you know, the kind of state agencies already working on these issues. For example, the California Air Resources Board, um, California already has a number of programs um, that sort of help lower income drivers buy vehicles, for example. And, you know, this could be fed through that. So it would really be the existing agencies that are already doing this work, allocating um, the money. Um, and it, you know, it not just goes toward it, the money, not only goes towards rebates for, for people buying cars, but it would also sort of help build up our infrastructure for charging stations, um, especially in lower income neighborhoods, um, and, you know, do all of those things that we would need to do in order to make that transition into zero emission vehicles. All right. Well, let's hear one of the yes on 30, uh, ads, uh, and we'll give that a, a listen and we'll come right back. I've fought wildfires for 20 years. Here's the reality we face every day. This is a crisis. We need more firefighters, more equipment, better forest management to prevent wildfires and reduce toxic smoke. And we need to reduce the tailpipe emissions that are driving changes to our climate. And so, Kevin Stark, uh, we hear that this one is uh, funded, the American Lung Association supporting Coalition for Clean Air, uh, firefighters, obviously. Uh, And yet Governor Newsom uh, has lined up with the Republican Party and the California Chamber of Commerce and the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association uh, and the California Teachers, not not, uh, no small matter there, uh, against this measure. Uh, What is the basis of their opposition? Absolutely. Well, so uh, there's a lot to talk about there, but I think maybe we could just um, talk about uh, the sort of stated opposition. There's two two big things. So Newsom has really called this a, 
uh, you know, corporate tax grab on the part of Lyft. Uh, he, you know, he said that California shouldn't be fooled. It's not about climate change. He called it a, a Trojan horse. Uh, and I think his point is that he some of this money would go to helping Lyft uh, meet one of its state mandated goals, which is by the end of the decade, it's going to have to have, you know, nine out of its 10 miles on the road need to be with an electric vehicle. So he's really painted that as 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 the, the frame on this issue. But there's a couple other things in here. Uh, the the tax piece is pretty interesting. So there's there the argument is that this would disrupt the state's notoriously volatile finances, and it would do that in two ways. One is California Constitution actually limits the amount the state can spend each year, and the state has pressed up against that in recent years. This is the GAM limit. Yeah, exactly. And so this is a mandated increase in spending. So if you're spending, you know, upwards of five billion dollars every year on electric vehicles, you might have to cut from other places. Uh, you know, the the California teachers, which is also opposed this measure. They get their money out of the general fund. So, uh, you know, I think their concern is maybe that, well, one, they don't have access to the money, but also maybe something, a cut could come out of there. And then also that it's redundant, right? California just spent, uh, you know, billions of dollars on EV rebates and other investments through its budget this year. Uh, that plus, you know, there's a lot of money coming in from the Fed's, uh, Biden's infrastructure bill to, to also uh, help fund uh, uh, the purchase of electric vehicles. So I think one of the arguments that Newsom has been making is like, we just don't need this. We're going to we're going to spend the money in other places. All right. Well, let's hear from the governor himself. Uh, he is has become or made himself the chief spokesman for the No on 30 campaign. Fellow Californians, I need to warn you about Proposition 30, one company's cynical scheme to grab a huge taxpayer-funded subsidy. Don't be fooled. Prop 30 is being advertised as a climate initiative. But in reality, it was devised by a single corporation. So, Guy, of course, Gavin Newsom is on the ballot himself, running for re-election. Uh, but he hasn't. This is this is this and Prop One, the uh, abortion proposition, are the only things he's been on TV talking about. What do you make of the the political strategy there? Well, I think the political strategy around Prop One is a lot clearer. I mean, that's really what Democrats up and down the ballot have used to you know, as a top issue abortion in both congressional districts and statewide to get voters to the polls. And Newsom has actually been a top donor to the Prop 1 campaign. Um, the Prop 30 thing, you know, I, I, Kevin kind of laid out the dynamics of why the governor might be opposed to it. And I do think you could point to some shifts in polling since, you know, Prop 30, people were first starting to look at Prop 30. And then since that ad started to, to air statewide, there's obviously a lot of other factors. Maybe people are just starting to, to pay attention and read their uh, voter guides. Um, but yeah, he, these are kind of the two in, in you know ways that he's put himself before the electorate um, rather than a traditional re-election campaign. Um, here is a comment from Alan who writes, uh, I was opposed to Prop 30 because it looked like another example of a big company, Lyft, paying for a prop to get around something the legislature passed, but someone I know says the ride-sharing services were required to increase the percentage of their fleets driving EVs, uh, emission-free vehicles, uh, and they can't do it uh, except by trying to convince the drivers because the drivers is co- complicated. But there's nothing in this ballot measure, Kevin. Is there about Lyft? There's no Lyft's name does not appear in the measure. There's no uh, directive to funnel money to Lyft. Uh, you know, the the benefit to the company is obviously like its drivers will be able to buy cars for cheaper. They'll be charging infrastructure for its drivers to use when they're out. 
and uh, but but I think it's worth pointing out that that Uber, the other big ride hailing company, is like is not uh, involved in this campaign really at all, and that that company is actually giving incentives to its drivers. It's I think it's like up to four thousand dollars a year to to make this transition itself. So, yeah, like they certainly have skin in the game. Did they devise this measure, as the governor is saying, like they were involved in crafting it? But it was really uh, advocates that had sort of a public interest in mind that 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 uh, created this. And, and mommy, what about the point that uh, you know Kevin alluded to earlier, which is California's finances are very volatile, and we d- disproportionately rely on the income tax, and especially uh, those uh, f- the very top income earners. I think something like forty nine percent of the general fund comes from one percent of the the highest income tax payers. Uh, is, is there any you know what? What is your take on that argument that uh, you know this is just going to kind of upset, especially as we head into a time when re- uh, you know revenues are going down? We're already seven billion dollars behind in revenue. Uh, that this is really a bad time to do something like this. You know, yeah, I guess you know that is definitely an argument that um, some of the people on the No campaign are making. Um, on the other hand, um, some of the environmental justice organizations that are backing this proposition are saying, well, okay, you're saying there, when is the good time, right? Like our communities are extremely polluted. Um, the climate crisis is definitely an emergency. And we've committed to transitioning to zero emission vehicles. We've committed to these goals. Um, this is just saying like, we're going to continue to fund them to actually meet the goals that California has set. Um, and, you know, just an example of that, um, something that like environmental justice organizations I've sp- spoken to have pointed out is that, you know, some of these existing rebate programs to help low income communities make a transition to zero emission vehicles, they've run out of money in recent years, you know, leaving a lot of drivers um, who would have qualified unable to take advantage of these programs. And so they're saying, let's actually like make this a priority. All right, I'm going to give out the phone number again, and it is 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Or you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. We're going to talk, uh, and feel free to call on any of these measures, Prop 26, 27, or Prop 30. Uh, Here is a comment from, let's see, William, who writes, uh, The San Jose Mercury News had an article this week about the loss of wealthy Californians. Any study to try and understand whether Prop 30 would add to this wealth loss? Uh, Guy, Kevin, Monvi, anybody? I, I have not seen a study, but that's certainly something that the uh, the No on 30 campaign has been saying, is that California has the highest income tax rate in the country right now. This would raise that, and the fear is that you would you would, you would would push more people out of, out of state. Yeah. Um, here's a comment from Richard, similar sentiment, the statement that uh, only the very rich would pay this extra tax is a joke. Many, many homes in the Bay Area and Los Angeles will generate more than $2 million in gains if sold. Add this to salary income, and many Californians who are not rich will pay this tax. Um, I guess that's that's true. Um, of course, they also pay you pay other taxes when you – real estate transfer taxes and so on, local taxes when you uh, – inc- and, yeah, income taxes for sure. Um, in terms of uh, – Kevin, in terms of – I mean, these goals like wildfires, preventing and fighting wildfires, uh, as well as all the climate goals, are certainly some of Gavin Newsom's top priorities. Uh, So to you, is it a bit of a head scratcher that he's decided to not just come out against this, but to put it on TV and really, you know, 
put some money down uh, behind the no side. Oh, yeah. I mean, he spent a lot of political capital on this. And I think that surprised. I was certainly surprised. I think it also surprised a lot of the the other Democrats that have been supporting this measure, the you know the people that helped craft craft it, uh, Denny Zane, he's an advocate with Move LA. Uh, you know he was he was at this from the beginning, and he told me that he was really surprised about Newsom's opposition to this. Uh, so yeah, I think that has uh, been something that like he's he's outlined his arguments, and and I think uh, people are starting to understand and make. Uh, you know, guesses as to what the politics might be, but it's certainly surprising. Guy, I'm wondering, uh, you know, as someone who looks, uh, pays attention to Gavin Newsom in general, we've sort he has been, you know, sort of raising his profile nationally, taking some positions that some wonder if he isn't doing in terms of vetoing legislation, for example, that might position him a little more favorably nationally in states that are more conservative than California. Do you see any thing in that regard around his opposition to Prop 30 that's worth noting? I guess like the obvious corollary would just be you don't want to support a tax increase of this kind if you have national ambitions. But I do think there's many more currents of lo- of local dynamics or state dynamics at play here. The California Teachers Association being a huge one. The fact that the governor has made a lot of climate investments in the last year. Um, and then I guess just the general governance one. It kind of reminds me of when London Breed here in San Francisco opposed Prop C. And a lot of her argument was around like, I'm the mayor. I want to. If that was if, the money for homelessness, for the homelessness, like I want to be able to do it how I want to do it because I'm going to be accountable for it. There might be a little bit of that, like Newsom's going to be on the hook ultimately for how the state responds to climate change in the next half decade or so. Maybe he wants to do it his way. <laughs> is there anything in the past in terms of his positions on other propositions that is a little inconsistent with his concern about carving out? You know, having this money go to a specific pot for you know fire fighting wildfires and also for climate change. I mean, is there any anything? You know, could you say, well, what about what about this? Or he's also saying it's a giveaway to lift. Yeah, I mean, nothing comes to mind right away. Obviously, the the Proposition Twenty Two and uh, that lift pushed in the in twenty twenty for- the carve out of of AB five. Newsom ended up not taking a position on. Some have said, well, you know, the California Teachers Association they were fine carving out certain higher income earners when it came to education funding, Prop Thirty on the ballot back in, in 2012, and then they extended it a couple years later. Um, I think they're also supporting Prop 28, which would you know uh, increase funding for arts uh, programs in schools. Which... Right, exactly. And that wouldn't increase taxes, but it would kind of set aside this money is, is just for arts funding. Ballot box budgeting, as they say. All right, I'm going to try to squeeze in a call here. And uh, again, I'll give out the number. It's 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. Or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're at KQED Forum. And let's go to Decker in San Francisco. Welcome. Hi. Is there a deal to be made for Prop 26 and 27 between the uh, Native American gaming uh, facilities getting more games and the card rooms portion of of, uh, Prop 27 so you could keep the funding towards uh, the city municipality areas that you were discussing? Guy. Such as maybe the card rooms under the auspices of the Native American tribes and getting some games and the Native American casinos getting some of the games that they wanted. Stay tuned, Decker. I mean, I think like this is going to be coming back to the legislature. I, I would be surprised. I would expect this to come back in some way and, and discussions to continue on this for the next to put something on the ballot in 2024. We should also know, though, there's already a ballot measure moving forward in 2024. 
put forward by a number of, of California Native American tribes to do online betting. So basically, it would combine some of the things in Prop 27 with, with some of the things like roulette craps that they're looking for in Prop 26. So this, I don't think this is going to end this year. I think this is going to be something that continues both in Sacramento and then ultimately on the ballot in 2024. Decker, thanks for that call. Uh, you know, Guy, um, the tribes are sort of in, in in this for the long haul. I mean, how upset do you think they'll be if Prop 26, their measure, goes down? You know, I might get in trouble for saying this, but I think if you gave a lot of those tr- Prop 26 supporters truth serum, like this isn't a terrible outcome. They basically are able to kick this to, to 2024 when they have a measure heading towards the ballot. I think the real focus, and you can see this in the money, is defeating Prop 27. That was from the beginning, even before there was a number on Prop 27, there were ads being run saying you need to oppose this you know, online betting initiative coming from out of state. That was the number one focus. If polling holds as it is, it seems like that effort will have succeeded. And part of that, I think, is the positive image that Californians have when it comes to tribes, right? Absolutely. And you can see that not only in, you know, obviously that was a focus for Prop 26, but the Prop 27 campaign tried to present an image that we are also supported by California's Native American Indian tribes. They even got a few tribes just to endorse Prop 27. The the chairman uh, of those tribes appeared in some of the advertisements. That was clearly an effort because whatever the internal polling was around California's perceptions of tribal governments, having maybe delivered on what they had had promised back in, in 1998 and 2000 on the ballot, both campaigns were trying to put forward that image clearly. And what is it about, like, why would some tribes go with with 27? Is it because they would obviously get something out of it? I mean, I think the theory would be, look, if, if Prop 27 were to pass, you would have two, three, four gambling companies being able to operate in the state. There just there wouldn't be 50 different apps. Um, you'd see, like in other states, there's a few that, you know, have popularity. And all of those would have to partner with a tribal government in order to operate. So you could maybe see some of those supporters end up partnering with these gambling companies. All right. We're going to continue this conversation. Scott Schaefer here this hour for Mina Kim, politics team takeover and others. Also, Kevin Stark with us from our science unit and Manvi Singh from The Guardian, West Coast reporter with The Guardian. Give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation. 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.
And welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here for Mina Kim this hour. We're talking about three of the measures on the November ballot. You should have your ballots, by the way. Some of you may have already voted, but it's Props 26 and 27 on legalizing sports betting and Prop 30 having to do with raising income taxes on the wealthy to fight fires and meet climate goals. Talking with Guy Marzarati, reporter and producer for KQED's California Politics and Government Desk. Also, Kevin Stark with KQED's Science Unit, our editor there. And Manvi Singh is West Coast reporter for The Guardian. Again, the number to call if you want to join us, it's 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Some Lister uh, tweets here. Uh, I just voted no for both 26 and 27. I'm not playing their games. Noel tweets, voting no, no, and no. This may not be popular, but we should make it harder to gamble. Too many lives are warped by this addiction. As for 30, I hate props that corporations like Lyft benefit from. How much did Lyft donate to get this on the ballot? Kevin, I'm not sure how much they donated to get it on the ballot, but they've spent upwards of $30 million uh, so far, right? The last I checked, which was earlier this week, it was up up to $45 million. $45 million. So, yeah, they certainly have have a a lot of stake here. Yeah. And, Guy, what about that point about that we haven't talked about? gambling addiction, but I mean, that is a real issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I've talked to, uh, you know, gambling experts or UCLA has a whole center on this. And they've said, you know, it's it's early to judge basically how the expansion of sports betting, especially mobile sports betting, has played out in various states. You know, it's, it's really just in the last three or four years that, that it's happened. But I think one thing they're watching is whether, you know, having things so accessible on your phone, on your computer could lead to more, you know, addiction issues with especially with younger, you know, people um, maybe having that access, not having that extra step of having to drive to a casino could spur more concerns about addiction. All right. Let's go to the phones again. It's 866-733-6786. And let's go now to San Leandro and John. Welcome. Good morning. Uh, like your tweeters, I am voting no on 26, 27, and 30. First, I have no interest in, in supporting Lyft. I hate the gig economy because it's killing workers and short-circuiting them. Lyft could buy a whole lot of e-vehicles for $45 million. Let them do that. They have tried to get the legislature to okay subsidies for fleet purchases and that's a sweetheart deal that the legislature, in its wisdom, said no deal to. Um, Lyft is a private business. I don't want my tax money going to give them an easier way to oppress workers. 26 and 27, as you just mentioned, online gambling is not a good deal. And I don't want anybody to get into that. And I would rather see the tribes get some form of sustainable economic development. I'd vote for that in a heartbeat. Finally, uh, legislating through initiatives in California makes the Constitution a mess. And as a legal and voters member for 20 some odd years, I oppose this kind of legislation. I oppose it on the local level as well. And we need to be able to live with the legislation that we can get to the legislature and make sure the legislature is responsive to the actual needs of the people, not corporate needs. Thanks for Thanks. that. Yeah, go ahead, John. Did you one more, one more point. Okay, um, Mavi, what about the, the the? It seems like this message that Governor Newsom uh, is is promoting that this is a big giveaway to Lyft is sinking in with voters like John. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of, you know, when I also talked to some of the people who uh, started up the Prop 30 initiatives and the environmental justice groups, I think they were also thinking about, you know, what it means and, and what they sort of keep pointing out is, A, this did not come at all from Lyft. They kind of folded Lyft into the process. And yes, like this would help Lyft drivers get EVs, like Lyft would probably benefit from sort of the infrastructure. But then again, I think what is a little bit cynical about saying that this is a carve out for Lyft is that there's nothing about, you know, other kind of programs to um, build EV infrastructure or um, subsidize um, the, the purchase of EVs for low income um, drivers, like there's nothing in those programs saying then you, you can't go and use your subsidized car to work for Lyft, right? This, th- there isn't much of a distinction between existing programs and then how this money might be used um, in terms of how much or how little it would benefit Lyft or Uber or any other kind of ride share. Um, yeah. And Kevin, talk about the, this mandate, because there is this mandate now to uh, switch. Uh, I forget these. Is it 2030 or 2035? 2035, yeah. 35, uh, you know, uh, fossil fuel driven vehicles won't be able to even be purchased in California. So how do we how do you meet whether you're irrespective of how you feel about Prop 30? How, how do we meet that goal? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, so. Uh, this and this landed in the middle of this debate over Prop 30 because uh, the California finalized this in August. Uh, basically, you know, after 2035, you will not be able to buy a new gasoline-powered car in California, and it's it's that policy and which came from a Newsom executive order that will force a lot of electric vehicles onto the road. It's required. It's a mandate. It's on the car makers, and it'll ramp up over time. Uh, enforceable with a financial penalty if the car makers aren't able to meet their their goals. So, you know, I think this is interesting because it reframes what Prop 30 is about. It, like it's it's it becomes about shifting the financial burden for paying for the cars away from consumers and the car makers and businesses uh, a little bit at least onto the state's wealthiest. And then it, it's also about how fast California can meet that goal, right? Because like we're mandated that we have to have a certain amount of uh, electric vehicles on the road. It's going to happen. But if you're able to pump in a bunch more money for incentives, it's going to happen a lot faster. Well, and those incentives sort of speak to the priciness of electric vehicles, right? Yeah, I think the average uh, electric vehicle right now is on par with buying like a BMW. Uh, Very, very expensive. And there was a study from an environmental group that looked at, you know, this actually Prop 30 could could, uh, level the playing field a little bit, make it make the average cost of an EV more on target with like a a normal middle class vehicle. Does that uh, sort of mess with sort of the market a little bit? Like, uh, you know, instead of putting the burden on manufacturers to make these vehicles more affordable, they're going to get subsidies that will maybe be a disincentive to make them more affordable. Well, and this goes back to the redundant article, right? Or the redundant arg- argument. Basically, like, if we have all these incentives, are we just propping up a market that uh, could be self-sustaining on its own? I think that that's a, that's a big question. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go back to the phones. 866-733-6786. 866-733-6786. And let's go up to Sacramento. Tony, you're next. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. What's on your mind? Good. What's on my mind is uh, this entire 26-27, I was part of a focus group, actually, for market research about this. And I don't understand how how legalizing and a, a, a destructive compulsive addiction, because that's what gambling is. It's not gaming. It's gambling and what it does 
is supposed to redress wrongs uh, that we did against uh, uh, Native Americans 100, 150 years ago. It seems the whole concept around this is a farce. Why do they have a monopoly on gaming? Just a couple of yeah, future. Uh, to share it. Sorry. And, and sorry. It's just. <laughs> Sorry, Tony, you cut out a little bit. Uh, so let me let me just put this to Guy. I mean, this is there any evidence, Guy, or studies that have shown, like in these other states where you can gamble, to use Tony's word, uh, on your phone or on your tablet? Is there any evidence that you know that's been a problem? Yeah, I mean, when I talk to Timothy Fong, who studies exactly this, like gambling addiction issues at UCLA, he says that in states that have had more sports betting, they've gotten more calls to helplines regarding gambling problems. That would seem to make sense. You have more activity, you have more problem betting, problem gaming. Um, I think what's still being studied is like this rollout of mobile betting and what's actually the impact. How does that compare to your traditional brick and mortar going to a casino to, to bet? Well, and to, and to your point, I mean, has there been any, have there been studies about how the, all these casinos, which have been around for quite a while now, I mean, is that have those been problematic? Um, I mean, I think Betting in general leads to there's like gambling addiction is a problem in general. Um, and like you said, these casinos have been around for a long time. Um, but obviously what is being proposed with 27 would go beyond that and is more in line with what we've seen being expanded in a lot of other states, which are apps where you can, you know, download on your phone and really bet as games are going on. I mean, that's really been at the heart of this expansion. You've seen, I mean, if you watch a sports game at home now, so much of this betting is integrated even into the broadcast. People are cutting in, telling you like what the live odds are, how you can bet. So this has kind of taken over a lot of sports media really in the last few years. And so I think the concerns from advocates would be, you know, as more of this gets in front of, of young people, as more of this gets in front of sports audiences, are you going to see some you know large spike in terms of problem betting? Well, on KGO Radio here in the Bay Area, which used to be news talk, isn't it now like all about... Isn't it turning into some kind of advice about yeah, sports about, betting? Yeah, about sports yeah. betting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's become a massive... I don't know how you could do that 24-7, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's become a huge industry. Like I said, you watch any game nowadays, and there is some kind of integration of... FanDuel, DraftKings, live odds, that kind of thing. Yeah. All right, Tony, thanks very much for that. Some other listener comments. Roger writes, if you don't like having to vote on a bunch of annoying special interest propositions, please don't sign the petitions putting them on the ballot. And anybody who's ever been to any kind of a strip mall or shopping center, you know, you're coming out and there are the folks there asking you to sign things. And, and Guy, the way this works is whatever they get the most per signature for, is that's going to be at the top of the, of the list, right? And those tend to be the ones with a lot of money behind them. Right. And you have, yeah, you'll see folks with clipboards and they've got different, uh, you know, measures that they're asking you about. They, you know, use some innovative strategies. I'll never forget. I was outside this, I think it was the Broad Museum in L.A., and it was a massive line and people just waiting to get in. And this one signature gatherer was like, this is like fish in a barrel. Like he was just going down the line, getting folks signatures on these initiatives as they waited to get in the museum. So, yeah, there's definitely a craft to it. Definitely. All right. Let's go to uh, Los Gatos now. Um, and I'm going to let you get your question in, and then we're going to have to take the answer. But if you could make it real quick, Tom, because we're coming up on a little cutaway here. Tom, are you with us? 
Tom doesn't seem to be with us. Okay, uh, here's another listener comment. Uh, Rob writes, uh, the proposition process does not seem like a great approach for addressing some issues, particularly more complex issues. There are examples of California legislators taking up an issue after, are there examples of taking up an issue after a proposition failed? For instance, a complex medical issue like Prop 29, that's the old kidney dialysis measure, might be better addressed by experts, or maybe Prop 27 would be more attractive if the revenue cut for California was more than 10%, and on and on. Um, Guy, real quick, we're gonna, I was going to do a quick cutaway. In fact, let me just uh, do that real quick, and then we'll come back to that answer. Uh, I'm Scott Schaefer, and I'm in for me. Kim, and you're listening to Forum. So on that point, Guy, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is true of local measures as well, where people just feel like, why am I voting on this? Mm-hmm. Like, what, you know, isn't I don't, I don't know enough about this to make a decision. Why doesn't, why does it get punted essentially to the to the ballot? Well, there are certain things that you would need to go before voters for anyway, if you're amending the state constitution. So I think when you were talking about this, the betting and gambling issues, like what I mean by solving in the legislature would maybe mean striking a deal in the legislature where all parties agree to and then bringing it before voters rather than having kind of competing measures on the ballot. Other things, though, you know, there is this larger window that's been created in the past couple of years where once you qualify an initiative through signatures, you still have a window when you can actually go and hash something out in the legislature to keep it off the ballot. And we saw that actually pay off a couple times this year, one measure around recycling, another around medical malpractice, where all sides were able to come to some kind of deal in the legislature and actually avoid putting one of these contentious issues on the ballot. Which is probably a good thing, because if the voters do it, only the voters can change it, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's go to Mill Valley now. And Larry, you're next on Forum. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having this topic. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, go right ahead. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in California, and I specialize in treating addiction. And I think it's important to understand that problematic drinking, drug use, gambling, spending, so on and so forth is stuff that usually we work out, but there is such a thing as addiction, which is a potentially fatal brain disease, and it can manifest itself through gambling. And so I think we need to factor in that reality and the cost and the cost benefits. Uh, and perhaps we legalize gambling, but we have a, uh, put a whole lot more money into addiction treatment. I think that we really need to look at the, the, the potential downside. Personally, I, I, would, I would just assume we would keep gambling to, you know, very small and not make it public to everybody for kids and everybody else to be spending their money on it. What kind of treatment is there, Larry, for a gambling addiction? And how effective is it? Well, the, it, it's a <laughs> good question. Man, I'd like to have a whole program on that one. Maybe it's we as will. <laughs> as effective as, it's as effective as most chronic diseases, treatment prevention, and, and, and uh, is, is, as other chronic diseases. But it's the standard addiction treatment. There are residential rehabs for, for uh, gambling addiction. There's 12-step programs. There's, there's therapists and outpatient programs. There's a lot of different treatment for gambling addictions, just as well as for other addictions. All right. Well, thanks very much for your comments on that. Uh, And Guy, this really hasn't really been much of the conversation for or against these measures. It hasn't. I mean, you've seen that in some no on 27 ads is this concern that once you put betting on mobile, it will expand, you know, the kind of addiction issues. The 27, as it's written, would create more funding for the attorney general's office to go after some kind of, you know, both illegal and then deal with problem uh, betting as well. Um, but yeah, to your point, that's this is largely, this hasn't been a huge focal point in the conversation. This is, these measures, 26 and 27, have broken all the records for 
campaign finance for measures uh, on the California ballot or any ballot anywhere in the world. I think it's over four hundred and what forty million dollars raised. I don't know if they'll end up spending that because now they maybe realize it's uh, spending good money, throwing good money after bad. But what do you make of that? That a it attracted all this money. I guess maybe that's not so surprising given what's at stake. But the fact that voters just it hasn't really moved voters very much, at least not in the direction they were hoping. Yeah, I think. I mean, looking at the polls, you might be able to argue the spe- all that spending might have worked against both of them, right? I, there might be voters out there who were just saw all the ads dating back even to the spring about this issue and maybe just felt either confused, maybe just felt overwhelmed or just, I don't want to deal with any of this. I'm just going to vote kind of no on both. Some comments on Prop 30. Sam writes, California legislators in districts hit heavily by forest fires in recent years note that their greenhouse gas emissions from forest fires far exceed the impact of electric vehicles in their district. So Prop 30 makes sense adding forest fire suppression with vehicle emissions. Kevin, uh, that's true, right? I mean, it's it's sort of uh, it's so ironic and it's terrible that uh, the, so much em- carbon gets emitted when we have these wildfires as if that wasn't bad enough that the trees are on fire. I mean, it's really cutting edge research is, you know, what is the, the lo- long-term impact of these like huge firestorms that we've been having? There was a, a good, an interesting study that came out earlier this week on on the 2020 firestorms when we had, you know, fires all over the Bay Area and, and record uh acres burned in the state. And they were surmising that it wiped out all of our air quality gains uh, over the last 15 years, which is, uh, you know, uh, an interesting study. It's kind of interesting also to watch how the the Yes on 30 campaign has has dealt with this issue. You know, they've like gone out to all of these cities and brought out as many Democrats as they can. And they really make this argument in personal terms, like Assembly member Buffy Wicks. She grew up in Forestville. That city was threatened by the mosquito fire this year. And she said, you know, like this money is important for fire mitigation. Like this is also important to slow global warming. A couple uh, more quick comments here. Pete writes, do the guest think Newsom's position on 30 is related to his French laundry connections? Is it actually an attempt to help his wealthy friends? And the anti-lift focus is just a smokescreen? Probably not, I would say. And then Leslie writes, can you please explain more about the issue of California having a limit on what can be spent by the state, the GAN limit? I'll tell you what, uh, we don't have time to go into that, but I do want to refer all of you to our voter guide, kqed.org slash voter guide. Seal of approval guy. Seal of approval. And it, you can also use that guide to ask questions for your local candidate. So San Francisco supervisor, Alameda County DF, if you have questions for them, you can go to our voter guide and put those to the candidates. KQD.org slash voter guide. All right. Thanks, everybody. Guy Marzarati from the KQD Politics and Government Desk, Kevin Stark from KQD Science, and Manvi Singh, West Coast reporter for The Guardian. Scott Schaefer here this hour for Mina Kim. Thank you so much for listening. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.